who are joining us online. And uh, last week we talked about trusting God for our finances. And we're going to spend one more week doing that. Um, trusting God for our finances. I just believe that it'd be good just to maybe touch a couple of the things we talked about last week, but maybe go just a little bit deeper. So that's what we're going to do today. Just by way of review, last week, I gave my own personal testimony as to how God worked in my life in the area of giving. And it started when I was 10 years old, when I gave my life to the Lord. And somehow God just put that in my heart that this is what is pleasing to him. And then I also shared about how I started reading. Actually, when I was a teenager, I started reading biographies of great men and women of God and how God would always supernaturally provide for them. And I was attracted to that. But it was obvious that there was a connection between giving and asking God and believing God to provide for our finances. And, um, and so that's been the story of my life. I mean, my, my conclusion so far in my life is that God is faithful to provide even supernaturally our needs. Another thing we looked at last week, we looked at in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew six verses 25 through 34. You can look at it later or better yet. If you weren't here, just listen to the, um, uh, video, but this is a passage that just talks about how God is going to take care of our needs and uh, our needs. I'm not saying our wants, you know, sometimes our wants get ahead of us, right? But all our basic needs, he takes care of. And he says, my heavenly father, if, if I, if he cares for the birds of the air, if he cares for the flowers of the field, he's certainly going to care for us. And, uh, but two things that we have to kind of remember one, we need to be putting him first in every area of our life. That's a condition of this promise. And then the other thing we saw is we're not to be anxious. In fact, five times in that passage, we're instructed, do not be anxious. And, and, and the thing is, is once we enter into a life of Putting him first, giving, or, and, and it's not just giving, it's every area of our life, then God takes care of us. Okay, so there's a couple more things I just want us to look at. And, uh, and then, Lord willing, we're going to return to Romans next week, chapter 13. Okay? So let's begin by looking at another thing that Jesus told his disciples actually in the Sermon on the Mount again. And let's go back to Matthew 6. And let's read verses 19 through 21. Jesus, again, talking to his disciples. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, this is another part of the Sermon on the Mount. And by the way, the Sermon on the Mount is the foundational 
actually introductory teaching of Jesus to his disciples. Even though introduction seems kind of heavy to me, but he wants us at the very beginning of our Christian life to embrace everything he has. And it's, so this is foundational for disciples. And by the way, this theme of treasure in heaven versus treasure on earth is repeated by Jesus on a number of different occasions. I'm just looking at one of them. So maybe we should kind of ask ourselves, what are our treasures? And um, I would say it's that which excites us, something that we get passionate about, the thing that we start finding, you know, we kind of think about a lot, that which our heart follows. And people have different treasures. For many people, it's money or possessions. The more I can get, the better I feel about myself and uh, just a lot of things, you know. And uh, uh, for some people, it might be more recreation or maybe it's a hobby. Other people might be education or learning or travel, a lot of different things. But the problem with every one of these is that they're all temporary. One day, they will all be gone. And even if they were, were not subject to uh, rust and moth and fire and, and uh, theft, we can't take any of these things with us, right? When we die, it's like we got to leave them all here. You know, all that. And, uh, and I think the other thing, sometimes we easily forget how this life is so, so short. One day, it's all going to be gone. You know, but with eternity, it goes on forever and ever, doesn't it? In, in fact, it goes on forever and ever. I can't even get my mind around it. It almost hurts my mind when I think about never ending because I'm so used to everything having an ending point. And, um, and so eternity never ends. The things of this world, it all will come to an end. And yet, we build our lives as if this life and this world will never end. And that eternity doesn't even exist. We've got to break away from that way of thinking. Because it's faulty. It's deceptive. You know, Matthew, who, who recorded a lot about money... And you know why he kind of recorded a lot about money and what Jesus said about money? Because he was a tax collector. Actually, out of all the disciples, he was probably the wealthiest. He was probably the one that was kind of somewhat comfortable. Now, he had kind of, you know, taken advantage of people, you know. But he was, he knew how riches were faulty. He knew how riches were deceptive. And so when he would hear Jesus talk about it, about don't store up treasure here on earth, he said, that's right. That's right. I'm going to make sure I kind of record that in my gospels, you know, you know. And um, so Jesus warns us here and in other places not to store up treasure here on earth. Actually, it's foolish. Of course, we need a place to live and money's necessary for other things. But we're talking about these things being our treasure. Now, 
We've talked about this before, but let's kind of say it again. This life, your life, in relation to all of eternity, is just a speck on a line that goes on and on that way and on and on this way. That's all your life is. Actually, this world is only maybe two specks in all of eternity. And yet, we live as if this is what it's all about. And the other place doesn't even exist. Eternity is where the real life is. And it's going to be a lot better than this life anyway. So Jesus is saying, don't, because of that, don't store up treasures on earth. But he says, store up treasure in heaven. In other words, the things that last for eternity. Now you might say, is that even possible? Yes, you can kind of invest in things that count for eternity. Now, in the context of this chapter, uh, he's obviously talking about money and possessions and building for eternity. But it's, it's much more than that. But it does include possessions, money. Do we try to cling on to it? Or are we building for eternity? You know, Jesus, remember the rich young ruler that came up to Jesus? We don't have a slide for this, but I'll just tell you the story. You know the story. He comes up to Jesus and notice he's young, he's rich, and he's a leader. You know, he's a ruler. You know, we don't know exactly what, but he had a lot of promise in his life. And he says, Master, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Because this was troubling him. And what did Jesus say? Well, you know the commandments, you know, don't commit adultery, don't. You know, honor your mom and dad. He kind of mentioned about five or six of them. And he says, which is probably not true, but he says, all those things I've done. But he obviously, there's something kind of missing. He said, there's got to be more. And so Jesus says, why don't you do this? Why don't you go sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you'll start building up treasure in heaven. And what happened? He actually walked away. You know, he obviously was attracted to Jesus. But when it came to storing up treasure in heaven, he wasn't sure he wanted to do it. And I think a lot of times that's the way we Christians are. See, once we understand and embrace this principle of where we're going to put our treasure, we all of a sudden we're motivated to give. We're motivated to serve because it's storing treasure in heaven. Now, this includes a lot more than finances, by the way. It includes our time. Which, by the way, finances, some people have been given more than others. Maybe because of their parents or whatever reason. You know, time, every one of us has the same amount of time per day. We may not have the same amount of years, but we have the same amount of time per day. And what is that? How many hours? 24 hours. And, uh, and how are we using our time? Are we storing up treasure in heaven for that? Our free time? Our entertainment time? How about our relationships? 
it's good sometimes to evaluate our lives. Where are we storing our treasure? And by the way, don't think, yeah, but I, I, I need to have a lot of good time right now. I'll kind of catch up later in that storing up because I've got all my life. You know what? That's, that's a deception. Why? Because your life may not be as short as, or, or as long as you think. You don't know where, when it's going to end. And also, anyone who kind of says, I'm going to do that later, what happens? Later, they're kind of saying the same thing. I'm going to wait till later. I'm going to still wait till later. And they never get to it. Okay, so storing treasure in heaven. A second thing I would just want to bring up, just kind of to reinforce last week. Being faithful. We all know, or we all should know, that God is faithful. That means he does what he says. It means he can be trusted. It means he's consistent. It's not like he's faithful one day and then the next day he's gone. That wouldn't be being faithful, would it? He's consistent. And like him, we're called to be faithful as well. That means consistent. Actually, if someone kind of uh, what's an example? If someone says, oh, yeah, he's really faithful to house church. What does that mean? He comes all the time, right? He's consistent. And there's a lot of places in the scriptures that talk about our being faithful. Galatians 5, verse 22, when it talks about the fruit of the spirit. One of them is faithfulness, right? You know? We are to be faithful just like him. Or Colossians 4, 7. I like this. Paul calls someone a faithful servant. Two verses later, Colossians 4, 9, he says, a faithful brother. That's what we want to be called. A faithful servant. A faithful brother or sister. We need to be learned to be consistent in our walk. All areas of our life. Our finances, our relationships, our time with God, getting in his word, prayer, worship. Luke 16, we won't turn there, but you can read it later. Jesus is talking about faithfulness. And actually he kind of uses money as an example. And he says, basically, this is a summary. As we learn to be faithful, even in the small things like our finances, God will entrust to us what? The true riches. So we've got to learn to be faithful. Because all of us, we want to be, oh God, will you entrust some of your true riches to me? I, I think I can handle it. And God's response is, be faithful in the little things. In the things that you say, you know, in your walk with the Lord, in your giving, in your... And the, it's, just, it's the little things. And as we're faithful, he will entrust more to us. Actually, the parable of the minas and the parable of the talents. You know the stories where Jesus kind of gives some to each one and they kind of, you know, he, well, he, he talks about a story. A king does that. Then he goes away, he comes back. And some have what? Done a lot with what they've been given. And what does he call them? Good and faithful servants. 
See, faithfulness is something God wants to build inside of us. Now, I, I could give a message on all these things. I'm just trying to kind of just fill in the gaps last week. Okay, trusting God. Okay. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We looked at this last week. And actually, a number of people kind of came back to me and said, Yeah, that trusting in Him, that's where I kind of fall down. And so I just thought, let's just talk about that a few more minutes. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. We like the idea of having our paths straight. We're not going around in circles, right? But it means trusting the Lord with all our heart. It means I'm not leaning on my own understanding. It means I'm going to acknowledge him in all my ways. And then he will do it. So how do we trust God in things that seem difficult or even impossible. Last week, we were specifically, we were talking about trusting him with our finances, but it really applies to every area of our life. But how? Especially when things seem impossible. First, we've got to acknowledge that God deliberately places us in situations that require trusting him at a higher level. Now, why does he do that? Because he's kind of mean with us. He just wants to make us squirm and suffer. No, he wants to teach us more about trusting him in every area of our life. Because he knows that he wants to use us in a greater way, but he needs us to be trusting him more. Not just academically trusting. Yeah, I believe that God, I believe I can trust God for everything. But actually do it. And so we've got to be convinced that yes, he's going to put us in situations. It's not like I did something wrong. You you know, I think part of the problem is that Christians aren't prepared for times of testing. But God, you read the scriptures, the Old Testament, New Testament, especially the words of Jesus. He's always talking about he's going to put us in situations where we don't know what to do. And we can't rely on our own abilities. We have to trust him. That is a good thing. Even though at the time we think, God, why am I here? What are you doing in my life? The devil must be doing something to me. He's attacking me. And God say, no, I put you there. I want you to trust me. Okay. The second thing is that trusting always requires stepping out in faith. At least the first few steps. We may not feel like it. We may not see how this can work out. But we have to learn to step out in faith. And there's so many places in the scriptures. The Red Sea. The people of Israel have been, have left Egypt. They're going to the promised land. They're so excited. All of a sudden they get to the Red Sea. And then someone says, I think I hear Pharaoh's chariots back there. Now this morning we kind of sang a song about how they're thrown into the sea. But at that point, 
All they knew, the sea's here, and I hear the rumble of chariots getting closer and closer and closer. Rather than trust God, what did they do? They panicked. Moses, it's your fault. You, know, you brought us out here because there's not enough graves in Egypt. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, you know, and, and even Moses was like, yeah, Lord, uh, I, this wasn't in kind of the uh, instructions that you gave me, you know. But he goes to the Lord and what does the Lord say? Be still, and you'll see my salvation. And we know the story. He breaks open the Red Sea and they begin to walk through it. Now, that took a step of faith. To walk through when you see two walls of two walls of uh, water, you know, I'd be like, okay, uh, who wants to go first and lead the way? You know, I'll kind of follow, kind of see how this goes. But we, they took a step of faith, and, and and actually, forty years later, they were going into the land of the promised land. Finally, and they had to cross the Jordan River, and they had to cross it at. Um, runoff time. It was very high. And this time, God says something different. He says, I'm going to do just like you heard your fathers kind of say, I'm going to split the Jordan River. But this time, you know what he did? He wanted them to actually be in the water, taking steps, and then he separated it. In other words, their feet got wet. Can you imagine walking through the Jordan River, waves kind of splashing? Okay, Joshua, are you sure you got this? You know, you got these instructions. And then all of a sudden they started parting. But it took a step of faith, didn't it? I mean, almost every story in the scriptures take a step of faith. You know, uh, Daniel and the lions, uh, Dan, I was reading through that just this uh, week. You know, uh, where David was told he cannot pray for 30 days to his God. He had a choice. He decided, I'm going to do it, knowing probably what would happen. He would be taken before the king, Darius, and he was, what, thrown into the lion's den. But he went into the lion's den knowing God can deliver me. And if he doesn't deliver me, it's okay, too. That's trust. That's trust. Or we talked about this last week, but let's go back to this. This one, Jesus and his disciples feeding the multitudes with loaves and fish. This is a very important story in the scriptures. Mentioned in all four of the gospels. And all four of the gospels make it a point of saying, Jesus told the disciples to go and feed the multitudes. Sometimes we say, oh, yeah, and Jesus fed the multitudes. Well, yeah, Jesus was behind it. But if you read it carefully, no, the disciples did. And he says, go and feed the, go and feed the multitudes. And it looked kind of impossible. It was impossible. You know, I mean, talking about leaning on your own understanding is they kind of figured out, okay, what do we have? How many loaves? How many fish? You know what? That's not going to add up. Because there's 5,000 men plus women and children. So another 10,000, 15,000. It's not going to happen. But you know what? They had to take a step of faith, didn't they? They took the little bit that they had. And what did they do? They started breaking the bread. 
dividing the fish, giving it to this group, this group. And then it multiplied. And there was more left over than what they started with. But they had to step out in faith, didn't they? You know, it's not like Jesus said, oh, yeah, I, I forgot to tell you, I'm going to multiply that. Boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden there's like stacks of, you know, 10 feet high and, you know, you know, covers this room of supplies. Okay, now you can feed them. No, he didn't say it that way, did he? He said, start feeding them and then... I'm going to multiply it. I'll take care. Actually, he doesn't even say he's going to multiply. He just says, do it and trust me. They had to take a step of faith. And I think that's two of the secrets of trusting God. We have to acknowledge him in all our ways, not lean on our own, not lean on our own understanding. And then it will always require stepping out in faith. And, uh, and we're going to find ourselves because God's going to put us in situations where we want to do something. We want to obey God. And we got this. I want to, but there's not enough. That could be money. That could be time. It could be a lot of things. But the disciples started giving out, trusting that Jesus would take care of it. And we've got to do the same thing. We have to learn to begin to take Steps of faith. Okay, one other thing. And we're going to close with this. In Malachi. Chapter 3. Starting. Well, let's just go to verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So that they may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And then he says, and then I'll rebuke the devourer for you like Satan so that it will not destroy the fruits in the ground. Nor will your vine in the field cast its group, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed and you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. This is one of the few times in the scriptures that God says, listen, why don't you test me in this? See if I'm not going to be true. And it specifically says, I will open up. What does it say? The windows of heaven. I mean, I don't know exactly what that means. but It sounds kind of impressive. And then he says, I will pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. That's what God is challenging us to do. And he's doing it all the time. He's always asking. He's asking me, test me, Mike. Test me if I won't open the windows of heaven. If I won't pour out a blessing for you. And he's asking every one of us to do the same. Let's pray. And let's do this. Just let's just take a couple minutes, and let's just each person at their seat just talk to the Lord about the things we've been talking about the last couple of years. What is God speaking to you, and how is He how is He asking you to step out in faith in this area or this area? 
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. And when we read it, Lord, it seems all so clear. But Lord, we know our nature that when we kind of back away from your word, it's easy to kind of forget these things. Lord, we ask that you would make us um, faithful in the things that we've talked about the last couple uh, weeks. Lord, we confess to you, we can't do it ourselves. We need your help. We need your strength. Lord, we need you to impart a measure of faith to us that we can then step out and begin to trust you. Lord, that's our prayer. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.